We'll just pick back up right where we left off there this morning. Ain't you glad I did that? Because we had been here at one thirty probably, <laughs> or so. <coughs> Amen. All right, Father, thank you. Thank you for the good day. Thank you for the good Word of God. What an anchor. What would we do without the Word of God? We wouldn't know which way to go. We wouldn't know what's true and what's not. We wouldn't even, uh, we wouldn't have an anchor for our soul. Lord, I pray that you'd bless it now tonight to our hearts and minds. Help us to understand these scriptures we read and apply them right to our heart and mind and life. God, direct us now and help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last verse we read there was Mark chapter 7 and verse 21 through 23 where Jesus condemned pride as an evil thing that comes from an evil heart or from within. That's where everything comes from. You know, the, the context of that, they were eating without washing their hands and the Pharisees rebuked them for it, rebuked Jesus because his disciples were eating with unwashing hands and... Uh, picking corn out of a field and eating it without washing their hands, I'll tell you what's happening. They'd really have a problem with fee, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. But all these things come out of us and defile. And pride is one of those things right there. It's just... It, pride's not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away. First John 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, y'all have heard this verse so many times, you've been in church any time, all's in the world, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Pride is not of God. God will never make you proud. He'll never lead you or bless you so that it will make you proud. That's right. Why we, why, how can we be proud of something that we had nothing to do with in the first place? If we can sing well, how did we come about that? It's a gift. It's not, it's not something that we've come up with ourselves. We talk about these little children. If you're listening and you're watching... You can see it in them early if they can sing or not. Naturally. Mm-hmm. Other things. You see the, the gifts they've got, the strengths, the weaknesses and all of that. A lot of that stuff is just hardwired into us. Now you can't tell me that children are not born with some of these traits. It's just too obvious. It's a, too obvious a fact to deny. So we don't really have a lot to do with Something that came naturally to us. So how can we be proud of it? We didn't buy it. We didn't put anything into it. We didn't earn it. We didn't do anything to acquire it. God gave it to us. So how can we be proud of that? How do we get lifted up in pride for something that we had nothing to do with? Pride is the leash on which the wicked are chained. Think about it. Here in Psalm 73, verse 6, Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. The proud are always violent if you provoke them a little bit. You know, if you cut a truly humble person, they'll just bleed. 
But if you cut a proud person, a corruption will come out. That's the truth. Think about that a while. It's as if he's on a chain and the chain is his pride. That's what his chain is. You know, pride will make you do things that aren't logical or sensible or beneficial. People will do things because of their pride that are foolish. That's why it's called sometimes foolish pride, referred to as that, because it'll make you do stuff. Because of your pride, you're provoked to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. Did, you ever, did anybody ever double-dog dare you to do something? Yes. Well, why, what's that about? If they say, I double-dog dare you, and you say, oh, no, I ain't doing it, what do they say then? You're a chicken. Then what is at stake? Your pride. And that's why people will do stuff, sometimes danger, endanger their life or endanger the lives of others or cause great harm because of their pride, to maintain their pride, to keep their pride before other people. Pride will keep you from doing things that would heal and help and bless and edify others. <laughs> people say, you know, and this may rub you the wrong way, but it's just a fact. A lot of people use as an excuse for not singing, for not getting in front of people. Well, they're just too, they're too bashful. They're backward and all of that. Well, now, you're, not look, you're looking at somebody that is, they ain't nobody more bashful than I was when all this started. Still, you just kind of get used to doing it, but, but it wasn't that way in the beginning. Man, I didn't want to do it, but I did want to do it. But there was something blocking me from that. Think about it seriously. What is the issue there? Well, we're afraid people might laugh at us or make fun of us or think evil of us or, you know, think we're dumb. They might make fun of your accent or the way you talk or the way you look. And that's why people don't want to get in front of people. You're afraid something like that might happen. And, that, and so what's at stake? Pride. Your pride. Yeah. It's your pride that you don't want to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's why. You know, here's you an example. When we went to Mexico, I studied, studied, studied hard. I really did. I mean, I applied myself to learn the language. I had books and I'd practice and I'd learn a a concept in the language, and then I'd listen and I'd practice it. Seth was about 11 years old, 10, 11 years old. Our other kids, they didn't study nothing. And in two weeks, they were talking to the kids on the street. I mean, they were communicating enough to get by. And you know what the difference was? I was always afraid of saying something and everybody laughing. They weren't worried about that at all. They didn't worry about that. It wasn't an issue with them. They just said it ever had come out and, and and learned it that way. It was a hindrance to learning because you didn't want to be embarrassed. You didn't want them to laugh at you for the way you said something, which you did quite a bit. You'd say something the wrong way, say something that meant the wrong thing. That was a common thing for the Americanos down there. They'd say 
things is everybody laughed. And I give you lots of examples, but that's not necessary. What we're talking about is our pride. If I'd have just not cared if they laughed at me, I'd have learned a lot quicker and a lot better. No one in, you know, pride will always bring a person down. It'll never lift them up. Proverbs 29, verse 23. A man's pride shall bring him low. Now, you believe the Bible's telling us the truth there? Which way are you going to go with pride? We've already talked about it this morning. The verse coming into it is, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's a fact God gave us there. Here's the order of things. You get proud, you're going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. If you get haughty in your spirit, you're going to, you're going to be humbled. Yeah. You're going to fall. So that's the way it is. It's, it's the way down, not up. But what does your heart tell you about your pride? That's how to stay on top. And that's how to get more admiration and more popularity and more honor from others is to maintain your pride. See, it's a lie. Don't you see? Pride is a lie. When we feel that in us, when we see that in ourselves, we ought to realize this is the devil. He's the liar. He's the one that always approaches us that way, with a lie. Pride is a lie. It's a lie. Every time. So it'll always bring us down. It'll never lift us up. Pride, when, it, when it's evident, always lowers others' opinions of you. You understand that? Pride, nobody ever looks at you and say, my, he's something. When they see that pride, they think, man, he's... Yeah. Yeah. They think you're dumb. You know, I've used this example before. One of the girls told me they were listening to some something I preached years ago and I said a lot of the same things I said this morning. Well, yeah, you're going to hear that a lot probably. A lot of things are worth repeating and repeating and repeating. Repetition is how you learn. you got to hear it a lot of times. You know, sometimes I get the same email hundreds and hundreds of times trying to sell me something or trying to get me to do something. And you know, like I like gas spouts for gas cans. I get them every day, every day, trying to sell me spouts for gas cans. I buy one once in a while. <laughs> I don't worry about it too much because I know I'm going to get another email so I know where to order them at when I need them. They keep it right there in front of you. So that's the way we learn. And that's the way we learn things that are so important like this issue right here. This ought to be mentioned much more often than I do. For my own sake, if not for yours, but it'd be for yours too. We all need this. Often. No one enjoys pride in somebody else. It's always an abomination to them. It makes them sick. It really does. Yes, sir. I heard somebody was at you, Seth, and went, yeah, gag me, when you heard something the other day. And it had to do, probably, with pride. Did you ever see these young guys spinning their tires on the road or going by loud with their loud music playing? You know what that's all about? Their pride, yes, sir. They think that everybody's looking at them and saying, whoo, they are cool. 
Look at that, how he's spinning the rubber off of them tires. Boy, what a smart guy. Is that what everybody thinks? And they think, what an idiot. It's some young punk boy. This is what everybody thinks. Young punk, ain't got no sense. His daddy probably bought his tires. That's what everybody thinks. Here's another one. I remember in Virginia one time I went to the post office. There's a little mall there and you know what I'm going to talk about. Now. See, it's been repeated before. How many of you know what a Chevrolet Chevette is? Was. They all died. And went to the junkyard. They were an ugly little old Chevy car. Just dumb looking. I mean, it looked like a cockroach floating along there. Her dad had one of them. There was two guys in the car, big old hairy guys, and had their arms hanging out the windows on both sides. And uh, they had pure country on the trunk of their car, on the back windshield. They had all the windows down, playing their music loud as they could play, and they were just barely moving along as they turned in and went and circled the parking lot of the mall and with their cowboy hats on and looking around at everybody. I laughed till I couldn't hardly... <laughs> stand up out there in the parking lot but but that's what everybody's doing is watching them they weren't they thought they were really impressive in their chevette playing their country music with their cowboy hats on pride will lie to you no one enjoys it it's a joke it's a laugh it's an offense but it, in all in all, it lowers others' opinion of you. Why can't we learn that? That, it, that you leave a much better impression on people by not being that way. By just being a humble, real person. Just be real. We always have a saying, and it has been for years, you know, just real people. Do you know what that means? They're just real people. They're not putting on. They're not trying to impress you. They're not trying to fool everybody about what they are. They just are what they are. And, and not, that don't mean they're excusing their, their faults or anything else, but they're just plain, real people. They ain't trying to fool you. They're right. trying to make you think that they're more than they are. Mm-hmm. Pride is the source of all contention and strife. We mentioned that, that only by pride cometh contention. And contention means strife and, and struggling against one another. We shouldn't even keep company with proud people. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 19. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Well, I figured that out a long, long time ago. I would rather be... I, my friends, I would rather they just be poor, plain, lowly people. They're the kindest. They're the most generous. They're the, they're the most dependable. They're real people. <laughs> I, that's where I'd rather be. I don't look for proud people to, you know, saddle up to. I don't really... I've, any kind of experience I've had with that kind of people has always turned out bad and sour. It's a very disappointing end. So humble people can disagree 
without contention and strife, but proud people cannot. They have to vanquish or they cannot rest. Y'all know anybody like that? I mean, do you know those two different kinds of people? People that are truly humble, they don't have to vanquish you because you don't agree with something they believe or whatever. If you, if you run into a proud person, though, they can't stand, they can't live like that. They just can't live like that until they convince you or subdue you. One of the two. That's what I said a while ago. If you cut a humble person, he just bleeds. But if you cut a proud person, you get corruption. Yeah. All over you. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 3 through 5. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness... Now, have you got? Have, did you keep all that together in your mind? Of a morning, uh, we read the Bible, and I'll read, and she listens, and we'll talk about it as we go through it, and then she reads out of this book of quotes, or whatever, something else, and lot, it's hard for me. I, I'll listen. A lot of times, I'll have her read it again, because by the time she gets to the end of the long sentence, I forgot what was at the beginning, and so we've got to go back. You all know what I'm talking about. So this is what he's saying here, Timothy, if, if any man, you know, they're contentious. If they teach otherwise, consent not to wholesome words. Even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud. He's proud. That's why he won't consent to uh, godliness and good doctrine and wholesome words. He won't agree with you. He won't consent to them. Why? Because he's proud. That's why. And he is proud knowing nothing. Harry is proud, but he don't know anything. <clears throat> Isn't it funny how that is? The less you know, the more proud you are. That seems to be the way it is. Isn't it? It, it really is. That's amazing. You find it in children. You find that same thing in children. The less they know, I, I mean, they, they think they know everything early on when they know the least they'll ever know in their life. That's true. And they're proud about it. Oh, yes. <laughs> they ought to be discouraged. And you know, there's a lot of things I could get off here and just park for a minute and talk about, but you know, children, how do you deal with pride in them? And how do you, how do you, you know, squelch that when it's in a child before it, blossoms into this big ugly thing well the biggest way is to tell them no yes. sometimes mm -hmm. not yes every time they want something they just need to hear no they need to be denied they need to know what it is to want something and not get it right now right. on the spot whether it's candy or food and uh, y'all say now you don't want to get uh, they don't get candy from me all the time Church is just one of those places where that happens. It's like I've said before, you remember who gave you candy and gum in church. Yeah, you do. And you remember them positively, don't you? You know, and you also remember the old sourpuss that sits there and looks at you and goes, you know. 
scolds you every time you turn around. Well, I won't park. I, I'm, I'm going to try to hurry through this. He's proud knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words. You ever had, you ever encountered that? Just somebody that just wants to argue about words or, or questions. I just, I don't do that anymore. I left that, I booted that off of the train a long time ago. I just don't do that. Had people, I've been at it long enough to know when people are sincerely seeking to understand something and when they're just wanting to start a fuss. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some people, you know, they just, uh, they just drag you along with uh, soft words and sweet words for a little while just so that they can devour you eventually. Mm -hmm. I got a nasty letter the other day from somebody. And it wasn't even over anything I said. She didn't have any accusation or nothing really about anything I said. She just decided to be mean, I guess, to me. And I told my wife, you know, I'm just a good mind to lower the boom on her because this is about the second time. You know what I thought? What was that answer about? Where did that come from? See? Yep. No, not going to do it. The devil comes and provokes me every once in a while like that. And I've always, man, you provoke me. I'm on a, you know, a lot younger. She'd have done got a letter. I mean, that was Saturday. She'd have done got it. Not anymore. Nope, 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 nope. You don't uh, answer a fool according to their folly. And besides that, you know, who knows what's wrong with somebody like that. But it's not going to, it's not going to do any good to answer her with my pride because it's her pride that's, you know, that's being, what do you recall it, just uh, offensive to me. Uh, let me find my place again here. Questions and strife words. Whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, See, that came from pride at the beginning, see? Only only by pride cometh contentions and strife and all of that. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. Now, he covered a lot of territory there, but but the whole gist of it all is who's in the center of that causing all the problems? The proud person. That's who. That's where the problem is. That's the root and the core of the problem right there. Only God can humble the proud. Now, although we, have, we all have a desire to humble them, don't we? You'd like to put them in their place. You'd like to show them what for. <laughs> yep. Whether you admit it or not, that's the first thing that comes up <clears throat> when somebody pro- provokes you, pokes at you, insults you, lies about you, does something to offend you. Your first uh, thought is to do something about this. Give it back to them. I mean, if they slap you in the face, slap them back. But Jesus said not to do that. That's right. 
<laughs> oh my. Why would you slap them back? Because they insulted me. They got it coming. I got a right. In fact, it's my duty. My sacred honor is at stake here. Jesus said if they smite you on your right cheek, turn to them the other also. Said if you, you know, just give them, give them everything. If they want your coat, give them your cloak also. If they ask you to go one mile, go with him twain. Paul said, why don't you just suffer, why not, why don't you suffer yourself to be defrauded? Instead of taking your brother to court to get the money that he owes you, why don't you just say, ah, you can have it. Well, what is that all about, really? It's more about pride than it is greed, really. Yeah. It, it really is. What's money? You're supposed to lend, not hoping to receive. True. When you lend, you're supposed to just count it as, yeah. Then if they give it back to you, well, hallelujah. If they don't, you, you don't hold any grudge and you don't feel uh, wronged. So only God can humble the proud. We all have a desire to humble a proud person. But God's the only one who can do it and accomplish the job. We can see it in other people, very obviously, like we talked this morning. We can see it and we... and and. If we see it and we start plotting and planning how to deal with it and cure them of this, what is our motivation? Pride. Mm -hmm. It's our pride that makes us want to deal with the pride in somebody else. Mm -hmm. Now, faith in God will teach us to leave it in God's hands. God can deal with these things. And this is too rooted too deep in a human heart for us to beat it out of them, to starve it out of them, to teach it out of them. We're not going to do it. The only, the only one, the only power in the universe that can do this is God Himself. And He knows how to humble. Nebuchadnezzar told us that. We read it this morning. He is able to humble, you know, to bring them down, to teach them that lesson. And nobody else can. We may be able to embarrass them temporarily, but if we do, their pride will cause them to seek revenge and they'll not rest till they've done it. That's right. People are so foolish to try to deal with the faults in somebody else publicly, especially. You'll even do better with the children if you'll privately correct them instead of publicly correct them. This will not be the case when God gets done humbling them. They won't seek revenge. God will take it all out of them because He knows how to do it. He knows their heart. He knows what's dear to their heart. He knows where their affections lie. And God don't take it away from them to be hateful. And He don't humble a person out of, out of uh, you know, malice. Thank you. He does it for their own good. He does it for our own good. When it's gone, we're a much better person. Yes, sir. 
Job said this in chapter 40, verse 9 through 14. Not Job, God said this. Hast thou an arm like God? Job, he was a perfect man and an upright. Remember, God said that about him. But what was Job's problem in the end here? Pride. In the midst of all of the his friends coming, the great loss, and then these so-called friends coming to uh, mourn with him and weep with him. <laughs> Job argued good for a while, but then he crossed the line, and it was his pride talking. And then God humbled Job. He said, Is thou an arm like God? Or canest thou thunder with a voice like him? Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency and array thyself with glory and beauty. Cast abroad the range of thy the rage of thy wrath and behold every one that is proud and abase him. God's telling Job this. Let's see you do the, these things. I mean, if you, this is what you're thinking, God really brought him down. Look on every one that is proud and bring him low. There it is again. And tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust altogether and bind their faces in secret. Then will I also confess unto thee that thine own right hand can save thee. <laughs> Job was hanging his head low about that time. Yeah. He said a lot more than that. Chapter 39, 40 and Job and along in there. That's where that... Uh, I heard Les Roloff preach that message years ago about Paul and in the valley. That's where it is. That's where those scriptures are. Psalm 18, verse 27. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but will bring down high looks. See, I'm talking about how God can humble, and we can't. That was God's challenge to Job. Humble the proud. Just, I want to see you do it. Abase him. Bring him low. Let's see you do that, Job. And yet, all of us think we can do it. We think we can do it. We think we can tell them. We can insult them. We can, we can tell them just what they are. How stupid they are. And what they look like to everybody else. That'll do it. No, it won't do it. It'll make them more proud and angry at you. And besides that, it'll make them think you're proud, which you are. Daniel 4 and verse 37, Now Nebuchadnezzar prays and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. So the day is coming when God will humble all the proud. Isaiah 2, 2 Isaiah chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, The lofty looks of man shall be humbled. And the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty. And upon every one that is uh, lifted up and he shall be brought low. God's promise. He's promised to come again. He's promised to come and take us to that place he's prepared for us. And we, boy, that's our blessed hope and all that. But he's also promised to abase the proud. I think that's going to be wonderful too. It's one thing that we are not going to miss. 
It's one thing that we can't imagine living in a situation where it doesn't exist. Pride. In us or in other people. We, we never experienced it. We, no matter what our situation has been, we've never been in a situation where there wasn't somebody proud that was stirring the pot and causing problems. They are the ones that cause the problems, you know. It's not the humble that cause the problems. It's the proud. Because only by pride cometh contention. They're the troublemakers. Always. Always. Every time when there's contention and strife, there's pride involved. And it's like I said this morning, we can try to blame it on one person and sometimes that's true. But most of the time, pride just begets pride. Pride in one provokes pride in another. Who's trying to do away with the pride in this one? Pride causes all these troubles, see. Isaiah 13 Verses 9 through 11. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light, and the sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. You just get your Bible and start reading. If you notice this, it's all over the Bible. The proud, they're, they're included with the wicked for their iniquity and the, the evil people and all of that, the arrogancy of the proud. That's the, one of the major things that God is coming to deal with in the day of the Lord, the day of His wrath. That's what He's coming to deal with. So, well, I thought it was a sin of man. Well, that is it. Remember, pride is the, it's the root, the beginning of everything, all sin. How different the Bible speaks of the humble. <clears throat> Humility. Is freedom from pride. That's the definition of the word. And arrogance. Humbleness of mind. A modest estimate of one's own worth. In theology, humility consists in lowliness of mind, a deep sense of one's own unworthiness in the sight of God, self-abasement, penitence for sin, and submission to the divine will. Now that's... That's Webster's 1828 Dictionary. He also quotes these verses. Before honor is humility. Not pride. Now, before destruction, there's pride. Before honor, there's humility. God was made flesh and dwelt among us. He humbled himself. <laughs> And came down. Made a little lower than the angels. Took upon him the form of a man. Yeah. Was made, you know, in the likeness of sinful flesh, the Bible says. Whew. He come away down, see. From his rightful, high, and lofty place, he came down live among men proud men 
humble man. We read this morning how they spit on him and buffeted him and crucified him and mocked him. Hail, thou king of the Jews. Well, what, what, what provoked them to do all that? What did they think of him? Well, they thought they were much better than him. <laughs> He's just a... They thought he was just an imposter and a phony. But he wasn't. Also, he quoted a verse that uh, Webster did in Acts 20. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. That's spoken about the early church, see, and how they worked. They were humble people. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Humble means to abase, to reduce to a low state, to crush, to break, to subdue, to mortify, to put to death, to make humble or lowly in mind, to abase the pride of, to reduce arrogance and self-dependence to a to a low opinion of one's moral worth, to make meek and submissive to the divine will. That's what humble means. Then he quotes the verse, First Peter chapter 5 says, Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you. It also means to make, to condescend. We're to condescend to men of low estate. That's the opposite of pride. Pride says, pride tells you to look down on them because they're poor, they're dirty, they're lower than you, they're ignorant, they're uneducated, they're, you know, savages. Well, that's terrible. But when we look down on them, they're a human being and we're a human being. And when we look down on them and esteem ourselves much more worth than them, it's nothing but pride that makes us do that. And Ignorance, proud, knowing nothing. Knowing nothing. Psalm 10, verse 17, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou will prepare their heart. Thou will cause thine ear to hear. Now we're going to talk about the humble here for a few minutes. These verses are about the humble, the opposite of what we've talked about all day. Psalm 34, 2 my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. The proud don't hear it that way. They don't respond that way. The humble hear somebody making their boast in God, praising God, exalting God, and they're glad. The proud's not. The proud are not. The humble shall see this. Psalm 69 verse 32. The humble shall see this and be glad. And your heart shall live that seek God. Proverbs 16 verse 19. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Proverbs 29 verse 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. You know what a proud spirit is? Do you know what a humble spirit is? When you go to a restaurant and somebody waits on you, do you want them to have a proud spirit or a humble spirit? 
Have you ever encountered a proud spirit in a restaurant, at a gas station, at a garage, at a uh, any all the places you go? Which one you like the best? You like the humble spirit, don't you? The humble will help you. Proud ain't going to help you. Isaiah 57 verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. See, that's not pride at all. He is high and lofty. And like we sang this morning, He is worthy. He's the only one worthy of the praise and honor. And it's not pride on His part at all. He is high and lofty. There's nothing above Him. No one above Him. The devil tried. The devil ain't made it. And he ain't going to make it. But how funny it is that man, how strange it is that man, who God referred to as a worm, exalts himself above God. You think the devil was dumb for doing that. But that's what every sinner does. They're saying really the same thing. I'll exalt my throne above the Most High. I'll do what I want. I'll make my own decision. I'll decide on my own morals what is right and wrong. And ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Ain't no preacher. Ain't no church. And in the Bible, I'll read it the way I want to. <laughs> same thing. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now who's who's going to ascend to God's uh, holy hill? Who's going to go there? The Bible tells us about that. He says right here, the spirit, I'll dwell with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Proud are not going to be there. James chapter 4 verse 6. He that, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith. God resisteth the proud. But giveth grace to the humble. Man I'd rather be on that side. I'd rather have that kind of people around me. If I want to be where the grace of God is working. I want to be there. Not on the other side where God's resisting. You think life's full of trouble? You don't know what it is until God starts fighting against you. When God starts resisting you and making it hard for you, <laughs> the troubles that come along like we experience, man, not a drop in the bucket. Jesus humbled himself. That means to abase, to reduce to a low state, to crush, to break, to subdue, to mortify, to put to death. Jesus was born in a stable. Not in, he was born to poor people. When Mary went to make the sacrifice at the temple, she offered a turtle dove and two turtle doves and a, what I can, two young pigeons. I can, it was the offering for the poorest of the people. When you go back in the law and study, that's what it was for the poor people who couldn't afford the 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 main offering, God made pro uh, provision for them, made a way. That's what she, that's how Jesus came into the world. He took the lowest way in, not the highest. 
And then on the other hand, Moses was born, you know, and he was raised in Pharaoh's house. And he forsook it. Esteeming the riches of Christ, you know, greater than the treasures of Egypt. He went, he went from the other way, from the palace to the poverty. That's unusual for men to do that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 9, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. This is talking about Jesus, see. Took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. We just got done reading the Gethsemane. Jesus in the garden, praying. He said, watch with me. They couldn't watch with him. They went to sleep. The only time Jesus asked them to pray with him, they totally failed him. Jesus crying out to the Lord. It says he went a little further. Remember that? He went to the disciples. They were asleep. He, and he went back and says he went a little further. And he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That was the little farther. Most men don't pray that last part. They just say, Lord, take this away. Take this away from me. And that's the end of the prayer. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And then on the cross, we read it this morning, when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was in the same place John the Baptist was in that we talked about two or three weeks ago. There was that. That's where he was. As a man. How could Jesus say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he became a man. That's part of that humanity of Christ that we talked about that had to be. If we read all the Gospels and we put the whole thing together... He said it is finished after that. That was the last thing he said before he gave up the ghost. It's finished. <laughs> another thing I noticed, and I'm rambling here for a second, but another thing I noticed when Caiaphas said, I adjure thee by the living God, tell us if thou be the Son of God. And Jesus' answer to him was, Hereafter thou shalt see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of glory. He didn't say Son of God. He said the Son of Man. It is exact. That is so important. You can't change that word. Jesus said exactly what he meant. He's the Son of Man. He said, because that was the deal. They said, you're saying you're the Son of God. That was their accusation. He said he was the Son of God. He was. But he was the son of man. They said he's nothing but a man. So Jesus answered him that way. He said, you'll see the son of man sitting on the right hand of power. (laughs) 
That was very significant. It sent him into a rage. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. We are to humble ourselves. Now that's, that's the command. That's what God tells us here. Matthew chapter 18 verse 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child. Now, we can humble ourselves or God can humble us. Which way you want it. You know, we've told our children, all of us have, now give them a choice. Now it's either this or that. Now which one you want. Give them a way out of the hard way. We can humble ourselves and it'd be a lot easier than when God humbles us. <laughs> Boy, it's uh, not many people do. Not many people go that route. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So with God the way up is down and the way down is up you want to be put down try to claw your way up if you want to be up just humble yourself it's kind of like Jesus talked about when you come in sit in the back man don't go up to the front and take the front seat let somebody come in and say hey you're in my seat and then right in front of everybody you got to get up and go to the back <laughs> You're going to be proud. You're going to be humbled. Your pride's going to be broken right there in front of everybody. Don't do it that way. Come in and sit in the back. And then if somebody sees you and they say, No, brother, you come on up here and sit in this seat. Then that's the way you want it to work. <laughs> uh, James chapter 10. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 10. I'm sorry. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Is that a promise? There's so many verses I could read. God is always on the side of the humble. He'll always help them. He'll always bless them. He'll always exalt them. He'll always lift them up. On the proud side, He's always going to put them down. He's always going to destroy them. He's always going to get rid of them. The Bible's just full of this. No exceptions. No exceptions. Either way. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves. Now, how many times have I read so far where the Bible says, Humble yourselves? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. So He'll exalt you. He'll lift you up. He'll be exalted over and over. We see the same language, same promise. Last verse, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. So we have a choice to make. We can come down off our high horse and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God or the mighty hand of God will surely bring us down and make us low through the destruction of all that we are so proud of. Now that's the choice we got to make, see. Humble yourself or be humbled.
by God. Examine yourself. That's what we all need to do today. We need to remember these things. We need to focus on this subject a little bit. You need to go home and pray and you need to read your Bible and study your Bible about this subject. It'll do a lot more for you than what I've said today. You get into it and you'll begin to see this is a real big issue. And it's it's the cause of all the strife and all the problems between people, God's people, and those that are out. Why are people rude to, you know, I'm sorry, but Christians all over the country have the reputation of being the rudest and hardest to deal with people in the restaurants and the businesses and the hospitals and the nursing homes and everywhere. I mean, the ones you're going to have trouble with are them church people. Ain't that awful? We're supposed to have put on uh, what I just read there. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, and then we go out there and, uh, and we have the reputation of being rude and demanding and unmerciful and unkind. What a disgrace. Yes. shouldn't be that way. It ought to be just the opposite. We ought to be the ones that they look forward to having because you should be pleasant. You should be kind. You should be polite. You should tip them generously. Even if they don't do a good job. I'm going to punish them. They ain't getting no tip. Tell you what, I had to wait ten minutes for this. They know that you had to wait. And so when you do that, it's like a stab or something, you know. What if they go... What if they come to your table after you're gone and there's a better than normal tip there even though they didn't do a good job? You think that makes any kind of impression on them? Of course. Yes, it does. So what's more important? The money in our pocket? The satisfaction of, of exercising our pride? Or that God's able to speak to somebody because they've run into one person that was seemed to be what they what Christians are supposed to be like. It's in every area of our life. The way we talk to each other at home. The way we deal with any kind of difference or any kind of difference in everything in our life. You know, We're all different people. And we got a hodgepodge here of about everything. From... <laughs> And that's good. I thought diversity was a good thing. It is. Iron sharpeneth iron. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But without all the pride. When you take that out, everything will work. Do you realize that? Take out the pride and everything will work. It just It's a monkey wrench in the whole machine. Why do you have problems with your kids when they get a little older? Most people. Why do you have problems with them? There's some pride involved. There's some pride involved on both sides. You know, when you discipline your children or... You know, when you go out in public and your child embarrasses you by 
My goodness, what, what, how many things could we name? You know, vomiting right in the middle of the restaurant. Why are you so mad at them? Is it your pride or is it because of what they did? But, you know, the child will understand. They'll perceive that and understand it and they'll keep it to you. You know, I got in big trouble because I embarrassed my dad or my mom. Eventually, they'll come to realize that was your our pride. I got in trouble because of their pride. <laughs> and ain't one of us in here that ain't done that. As long as they, you take that element out of your raising your children, and you you're gonna, you know, you'll come out completely different on the other end. If they realize that you're not disciplining them because of your pride, but for their good. I mean, if your pride's not there, they'll understand that you really meant it for their good. But if you're just mad because they offended you, embarrassed you, made you look bad in front of other people, you got to learn to swallow our pride. Haven't we heard that before? Swallow your pride. Be the best thing we ever did. I'm telling you, there's just a lot more to this. But we're done. Amen. Praise the Lord. I enjoy more right now my life, what we're doing here, than I ever have anything else. It's the most uh, rewarding satisfying, uh, peaceful thing I've ever had to do ever, yeah, in my life. Done a lot of stuff, been a lot of places and tried to do a lot of things, but this is, well, this is the best I've ever had. In. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for a good Lord's day. Thank you for this time we've been able to spend together in your house today. We've sang some songs. There's been a few words of testimony and stuff, input. And, and Lord, we just thank you for the messages that you sent to all of us here today. Please help it not to fall on rocky, stony ground or thorny ground. Lord, help us to receive the seed here. And, and it, it might change our lives. It really would make such a difference if if we just get rid of this pride in our hearts and minds. We just learn to recognize it. And Lord, if we'd look for it and weed it out, what effect it would have on our children, on our fellowship, on the, on the future here of uh, what we're able to do, the fruitfulness of our lives and of the church here. Pray you'd help us in it. Please work in every home here this week. Help us, Lord, all to have happy, peaceful homes where children can grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and help all of us to be an encouragement and a help and a edification to this, this work that's going on in the homes of these folks sitting here listening to me tonight. And those that listen and by other means, Lord, we just pray. It would be a help to them also. 
Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word in Jesus' name. Amen.